welcome to Freya's Singing Tips, the podcast. This show is all about helping you become the best singer you can possibly be. Get practical tips, discover the awesomeness of your voice, and learn how to achieve your goals as a singer. So shut the door, grab your chai latte, and make yourself comfortable in your favorite space. You're about to embark on a journey of discovering the greatness of your voice. And here's your host, Friya Casey. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Friya's Singing Tips, the podcast. I'm so glad you tuned in today. And today I'm really excited to have an interview with Brad Raymond. Brad Raymond is originally from Houston, and he's enjoying a promising national and international career as an opera singer and concert soloist, actually. He received his doctorate from the University of Texas at Austin and a master's degree from Indiana University. He went also to Southern Methodist University, which is where I met him. We studied voice there together. He has been performing with different opera companies, the Boston Lyric Opera, Glimmer Glass Festival, Opera Saratoga, Aspen Opera Theater, Columbus Opera, also with Opera Theater Middlebury, and um, tons and tons of things. He has done Chautauqua Opera and great productions he has done. He sings in all languages, of course, and he has won prizes in numerous singing competitions, like, um, for example, first prize in the National Opera Association Regional Competition. He was a finalist in the Marola Opera Program Audition, numerous first place awards. Um, he actually started out as a baritone, which... Um, I only know him as a baritone, but I already know that back then he didn't really have the lowest voice and it's not really about your, about how high or low you can sing. It's more about the voice color that you have. So he actually morphed into a tenor over the years. Well, I'm not gonna keep you much further. Here is the interview with Brad. Hey there, I'm so glad to have Brad Raymond with us today. Brad is an awesome guy, an awesome singer, and we met quite a few years back actually. When we went to university together, we went to Southern Methodist University and actually were in a few opera productions there together. And it was so much fun. I have fond memories of that time. It was really great. And already back then, Brad was an awesome baritone and I always enjoyed singing with him. And we had also great times just apart from singing too. So Brad, um, tell us a little bit about how did you start singing in life and um, share with us your way to yeah, what do you do now and how did you get there? Sure, well it's great to be here Freya. This might be the 15th year that we actually know each other. We met 15 years ago at SMU and we were we were both students there under the same teacher. And uh, thank you for the compliment about being an awesome baritone. Hopefully now I can say that I'm maybe an awesome tenor. And there was a, yeah. a long, long transition that happened and it was quite, uh, I'll say, excruciating. <laughs> Every single day working on the changes that one has to go through after singing baritone for eight years from 2001 to 2009, it was a situation where I, I felt if I'm going to continue this career, I need to be able to make a change. And to do that, I made the change from baritone to tenor in the practice room. Every single day, working on it, trying to gain advice from teachers who knew this technical change that has to happen. Going from a focus on your, your high notes being in the C to F range in middle C, 
to F to more of a range of F to high C in the tenor range. That was difficult and hard to learn, but I knew I had to do it. And uh, my focus was mainly on operatic singing. Of course, I loved to do music theater, but I, I loved opera above all else. And uh, so around 2009, I made a change and uh, started to get work uh, once I was a tenor. I uh, started my doctorate at the University of Texas. Very first instance when I decided I needed to make a change, they cast me in a lead tenor role. So I had to learn very quickly how to uh, facilitate the upper passaggio, the secondo passaggio, and figure out how to sing above that very quickly. And uh, it was certainly a trial by fire. Four years later, I'm still learning how to, to make that, that switch. And uh, I've gotten many gigs in my young career. And uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful job being a professional singer. I recommend it to anybody who has aspirations of being a singer. It's a very, very fulfilling uh, gig. But it wasn't easy uh, singing yeah. in a practice room. It's, it's quite difficult, and I'd love to talk about those kind of changes and the technical aspects and how I can help maybe anybody else who might be wanting to change from baritone to tenor, or anybody who's just learning how to sing. I, I'm certainly happy to help there as well. You already talked about the passaggio and uh, even the secondo, the secondo passaggio. Yes. Maybe some people won't be that familiar with the terminology. Uh, why don't you give us a little explanation of what the passaggio is and also what is that about the first and second passaggio? Why are there two and what's the difference? Right. And then we can talk a little bit about how you actually, I guess we always work on passaggio. There's never really, you never finish learning about it, how to make the transitions. But what your way was to find your way through there. And of course, going from baritone to tenor, that's a pretty drastic change. And your break, you know, going through your break, you, you got to go like have an octave higher. Absolutely. That's a big thing. So um, talk a little bit about the science of the passaggio. The, the basic premise is a passaggio is sort of a gear shift in the vocal voice itself. We want to emphasize, I think, first that uh, this isn't like hard science, it's not laws. I mean, most people will say there are two hard passaggio points in the male voice. I'm going to start from the male perspective, but I, for instance, think there are three, and other teachers think there are up to eight. But the first passage point is the point where I would say the speaking voice ends, where it becomes necessary for you to actually do something in your singing. Is it uh, to strengthen the lower abdominals, to open the pharynx a little more, uh, but basically the passaggio point is the shifting of the larynx or the pivoting of the larynx to gain a different acoustical phenomenon that will allow us to extend our range further. And uh, for the non-practiced singer at all, this is a very difficult part. In this area, you will gain extra fatigue as the voice will try to shift back and forth, and that can cause problems with uh, negotiating that area, because if you don't uh, negotiate the pivot of the larynx, that can be quite difficult to sing high. 
Now, the secondo passaggio, the second area, is where the head voice, or this kind of uh, falsetto, this, this upper range where the vocal folds start to move a little bit quicker and a little bit smaller, happens to dominate a little bit more than the chest voice. And that happens, well, I'll tell you where the, the primo passaggio happens, around B-flat to middle C to uh, C-sharp, and the second passaggio happens around F, F-sharp, G, above middle C. I think there's a third one around the C, uh, an octave above middle C, where the male voice will switch into 100% head voice, and we get into this bright, pingy sound that, that a lot of tenors have excellent range and a really nice, powerful voice up there. Uh, some singers like to bring it up all the way to chest voice, but after C, it's really head voice only. And what a young singer needs to know is first take care of the primo passaggio. That's paramount to good singing. And that again, that's between B flat and middle C. It also is a great determiner of where your voice lies in the spectrum. Like, are you a bass? Are you a baritone? Are you a tenor? Uh, the bass will normally have a lower passaggio point around B flat. Then the baritone will have B or C, and a tenor will have more about C sharp to D. And that corresponds in the upper, the secondo passaggio as well. That's kind of the a crash course on what we're dealing with. It's those two to three points that are difficult to manage. But once you do, you find that your range uh, extends a little bit better and your comfort level is also increased, which is extremely important if you want to sing, no matter what it is. Opera singers or pop singers alike need to know how to negotiate this area. So so um, since you have worked through some of these areas really hard, <laughs> do you have any tips on uh, what specific exercises you have done that really helped you? Let's maybe first of all talk about the first transition, like you said, between the, the lower and the middle range. Well, now the lower and the middle range have, for many tenors, this can almost be very understated. It's, it's hard to even determine uh, for the baritone and bass. It's easier to find out when you are most fatigued. What we want to do when we approach that area is make sure the pharynx is open so that pivot of the larynx can happen unabated. So what I mean is we want to raise the soft palate. Get that uh, what I like to call the yawn feeling or the beginning of the yawn feeling. To maintain it as you sing is quite difficult. When you want to start to think of that is actually just before that point around A below middle C or B flat. You want to start to think of a yawning feeling. I like exercises that go into a darker vowel, a more open vowel. For example, e that five note phrase that goes from E to ah will help you understand that you need to open up the vowels a little bit more in that area. Not so much as we'll do in the secondo passaggio, but uh, just a little bit more. They're very subtle changes in the primo passaggio, but basically what I can say is if you keep that open feeling of a mouth in the back opened of the yawn, the yawn feeling, that will help you negotiate it a little bit better. The front of the mouth will basically stay the same. You won't have to open up quite so much until, of course, we get into the secondo passaggio, when you do have to start to make sure your vowels 
are helping you and not hurting you. When we get to the secondo passaggio, that's where the tenor range needs to get a little bit more bright, but we also do that almost ironically by making a darker vowel. We want to keep every vowel the same except for minor details, minor darkening. So, for example, a will become a, o will become o, very subtle, o to o. And then oo will stay the same because it is one of our darker vowels. Baritones, if you want to go into your upper passaggio, the secondo passaggio, try the er vowel, the German oe, if you're doing IPA. Or if you're an American singer, maybe er without actually closing to the r vowel. Er will help you a lot. But basically, when you get up there, you want to start thinking about the next darker vowel over. Let's see, let me get a, like the word bat. If you get up to the very top and you try to go bat at the upper range, you will strain your voice and this won't be as easy. But if you think of bat, almost like B-U-T, it's going to help you. And it will come out for, for, for male singers in this F-sharp G range as the word bat. We, as an audience, will hear that. But in your head, you will be singing but or but that will help you gain access to this range where we're in more of a head voice and then above this change this f f sharp g we are going to start to get a little bit more bright in our tone this is not what all voice teachers say you're gonna have to listen to your voice teacher at all times but in my opinion you get a little bit brighter at the top we start to move to this ah feeling above G, A flat, A, B flat, and it kind of melts in with the darker vowels. Those are what we're doing for the uh, upper passaggio as far as vowel modification. Now, breath management is a whole other issue because at the, the upper passaggio, you need to start to conserve your air a little bit more. If you push too hard, if you have too much air going through, your vocal folds are not going to be able to manage this little quicker, higher vibration of movement that the upper notes require. And so you have to keep your chest raised. You have to not expend as much air. And that's why some tenors like to uh, not breathe right before a high note. They want to keep their breath flow going. They're doing a long phrase. They want to keep this lowered sense of air coming through the vocal folds so there's not a lot of air pressure that could disturb the vocal folds and cause the singer to crack. So it's a managing of the air as we get above the primo passaggio into the secondo passaggio as far as breath management goes. Okay, well, that's some great advice here. And thank you so much for pointing out about... I'm a big believer also in that beginning yawning feeling, but the key here is the beginning yawning feeling because you don't want to push around your larynx. Absolutely. You don't, you push don't it want down. the actual it's... yawn feeling because that's going to stretch it way too much. Right. Like the onset, you just want to have the pharynx way open and keep your larynx very relaxed. And I can't stand singers that have this really artificial sound of just pushing the larynx down. It drives me crazy. I mean, you have quick results in volume, but it just doesn't sound pretty. And it doesn't, for me, it doesn't have the right kind of ping in the voice. It's just... And it also doesn't last. It will hurt you in the long run if you are depressing the larynx and getting that stretch in the back way too much. There's always a, a risk 
of overdoing it with these tips. Uh, you can always go way too far. We just want, like you're saying, the beginning of the yawn feeling. And anybody can do that, you know, whenever you're tired or you want to start a yawn or something like that. Think about, what's it like in the beginning? How am I feeling that? Okay, the larynx is raised in a comfortably raised position. Uh, the larynx isn't being depressed or pushed down. That's what I tell all my tenor students, is we don't want a larynx that's too low, and we certainly don't want that's too high. We want a neutral larynx. Some yes. teachers will say, well, we want it way low. You know, that's not going to help you in the upper range. You need a neutrally placed larynx that is... That's right easy and free that's not going to go up too high and that's why what you said the beginning of the on feeling is going to accomplish for us there are different schools out there and i have met many singers in the past up to this day that were just taught in a different school and in some schools it is indeed taught to really just open even push down the larynx mm -hmm. and It, to me, it seems like even in the Eastern countries, like Russia and all that, they are big on trying to make voices huge. Yeah, I yeah. mean, all they care about is having this huge voice. And what I was always really thankful about, and you and me, we had the same teacher in the beginning. <laughs> And I'm really thankful. Um, Barbara Hillmore, she was our teacher. And I loved the lessons with her so much just because I had the feeling that she was teaching me in a way to where ultimately I found ease yeah, in my voice. Exactly. In the first year, she taught me she did one thing. She always wanted to make me darker, darker, bigger, bigger. And then as soon as the third semester started, like in the second year, She did the total opposite. And at the beginning, I was like, what does she want from me? I was mad. I was like, right. oh, yeah. I came oh, to yeah. the lesson. I'm like, what the heck does she want from me? I'm doing exactly what she has been telling me. Now she wants it totally the opposite way. But later I understood that at first she wanted to get me into this one extreme direction, just kind of gain strength and gain momentum and just have this volume and then take it back to where I could find my natural color and natural ping in there. Mm -hmm. And like you said, I'm also very big on small vowel alterations. I think that's a huge thing, what it can do for you. You don't even have to change much, but sometimes this tiniest change of a vowel into a darker or brighter sound, depending on where you're at in your voice, will totally change that how your voice can cut through in the frequencies and how it feels, how your throat feels relaxed or non-relaxed. Like for me as a soprano, there's always this area there like around, yeah. let's say between the C above middle C and the E. Yeah. It's like you can't do a really open ah anymore. You just can't. Yeah, it's like absolutely. it's stuck in your throat and you have to decide there. I'm going to have to get narrow. But the perceived sound is still an ah. You just have to think of a eh or oh <laughs> to close up more. Right. Because this is just not working. Those small vowel changes will definitely, I think be a little bit different for everyone. And that's why I always encourage my students, experiment a little bit, you know, make it darker, make it brighter and see what happens. Just pay attention to what, what does it feel like in your throat? Does it feel pushed? Does it feel hard? And one other thing that you said, 
And I'm really glad you said that. I think that's a huge issue. I have been kind of really doing research on the vocal folds, how they work and how the airflow changes yeah. with the different registers. And definitely you were talking about uh, some tenors not wanting to breathe before that high note to not interrupt or disrupt anything it's a good piece of advice physically the higher you sing the closer your vocal cords come together and the less air actually travels through there right for me that's always something to keep in mind that picture of the tiniest bit of air actually goes through and i think it really keeps you from straining your voice too much because you don't push with a lot of air you right. just kind of take the pressure off your throat the whole area and just put the pressure down into your abs, into your support all around. I think definitely it makes the high passages so much easier to, to think about the airflow, what actually happens to it. Absolutely. And going back to uh, our wonderful teacher, one of the things she tried to get out of me, I, I don't know if I've learned, it's hard to, to learn some of these things, but I tried to learn was uh, when you begin a phrase, starting with too much air, expending too much air right off the bat, will completely defeat the entire phrase. And so a couple of tips that I like to give my students for that also solves the breath pressure issue as we go higher, is to take a deep breath and really monitor how it feels. It should feel very good to take a nice, lovely, free breath. And when you begin to sing, continue that wonderful feeling of breath expansion, whether it is feeling the rib cage expand, uh, feeling your diaphragm drop gently, whether it's filling your passages with air, continue that feeling or that imagery in your mind as you sing, and that will take care of any kind of breath pressure issue. Another technique I like to say is make sure the last note of every phrase is the most beautiful. Now, I mean not the loudest, not the biggest, but the most beautiful. And what that does is it tricks our mind into thinking, oh, I've got to conserve my air all the way to the very end of the phrase so that that last note can be the most beautiful. And what students do then is they don't expend too much air at the very beginning, and the breath pressure is actually maintained in a very healthy way throughout. No matter what note you're singing, if you continue to think of breath expansion, your ribs actually getting bigger. You'll not only be able to do longer phrases, but the breath pressure will be such that any kind of natural things that happen, such as these passaggio points, will happen almost seamlessly. And to keep the last note of every phrase the most beautiful, we'll continue this breath pressure with an end goal in mind. And that sets in motion our natural progression, because uh, what a lot of people think of being unnatural singing is actually very natural if you're thinking about it in the right way. Yes, I, I'm fascinated right now by um, that we have so many things in common as far as technique goes, just because Absolutely. we have the same foundation sure. about the ease of breath. And I'm so big on that too, that it should feel great. And to this day, I have to say, I have taken this totally with me all my life, this right. principle. I've learned it and it's totally in me of, it feels so good to take the lax, deep breath. And I don't know, just... I think it's wonderful that I went out in the world with this foundation yeah. as a singer and I have this, I don't know, I have this ease actually. I've always had an ease and I think it's due to this principle of not sucking air in, like, you right. know, making it work 
but just letting it fall in, expanding, and actually enjoying Absolutely. that breath and not making it work and like, oh God, I need to breathe <laughs> and how am I breathing? And it's so much work and I don't have enough air. And right. it's just, there's an ease. And that's definitely a great thing when you can get to that place. We're just about done with our interview here. I don't want to keep you too long. Sure. And, uh, but these have been some awesome tips that you've given us. Really awesome. Just one last thing I'd like to ask you. Um, what is going on right now in your singing life? Sure. Well, right now I'm singing with Boston Lyric Opera. It's the, the biggest company in New England. Currently contracted with uh, the Glimmerglass Opera Festival to be a young artist with them. It's going to be my second year there. I have some wonderful Rossini operas that we're doing there, and I'm so excited to be doing it again in beautiful upstate New York. After that, I uh, do a few more gigs in Boston. And then I head to France, uh, where we're doing a production of Candide in Opera, oh, opera Toulouse. Yeah, it's going to be great. Opera Toulouse. It was my signature aria, the Glitter and Be Gay. Glitter and Be Gay. Oh, it's wonderful. It's fantastic. A, a fantastic opera in general. Just I love it so much. And then we go to Opera Bordeaux after that. So it's two months in France. I finish off the opera season doing a role in uh, Marriage of Figaro with Boston Lyric Opera. My plate is full and I'm so grateful to have things ahead. I couldn't be more happy with, my, with where my career is going and the, the fun things that are ahead of me. Awesome. <laughs> is there any place where our listeners can find you in, on the internet or where they could connect with you or something? Sure. You can always uh, reach me uh, at my website, www.bradraymondtenor.com. And there's a little web page that is open for contacting. If you would like to contact me for any advice, I'm certainly happy to give it. Just uh, follow the links at my contact page. I will certainly get to you within 24 hours hours I'm happy to do it again it's www.bradraymondtenor.com cool and I will make sure to link it up in the show notes well thank you so much Brad I really enjoyed our talk today maybe we could do this again sometime in the future because same things that women struggle with and uh, maybe next time I want to ask you about head voice <laughs> sure. because I always wonder how a male you know how like a tenor because I'm not trained as a tenor but I always wondered how do tenors deal with certain things um, as a soprano you own pretty much only sing in head voice except for the lower right, parts right. there and that's always you don't really like those areas as a soprano but since i do pop and jazz and all these kind of things um it's it's always so interesting to me what specifically tenors go through actually so thank you thank you thank you so much for taking your time pleasure to speak to you again friends great to hear you I'm happy to help whenever to talk about that controversial topic of head voice in the mail male voice. It certainly has a lot of opinions <laughs> floating around there, but it would be my pleasure to discuss that with you. All right. Well, thank you so much and bye. Bye-bye, Freya. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. I had such a great time catching up with Brad and it's been quite a few years actually since we've seen each other. I think it's great to have singers who really know their technique and as an opera singer you definitely have to have excellent technique otherwise you can never put up with the demands that are put on you. It's very hard work to be an opera singer. It's hard work vocally but it's also hard work physically just because you have to act at the same time. You don't just stand there 
having those technical issues worked out really helps you be a, such a much better singer and to have more ease in everything that you do. Um, hope you got some great takeaways about the passaggio, which is a huge issue for singers. So thank you so much for listening today and don't forget to tune back in next time. And in the meantime, you can check out my blog at friasingingtips.com and connect with me there or um, you'll find the links to all my social media accounts there. Thank you again and don't forget, always have a song in your heart and always keep on singing. Bye!